Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost? I'm your host Annette. I'm Stephen. And today we are on episode 50. 50 I'm, so, I'm not going to pull that off. Uh, Stephen, I can't tell you where we're going because we're, we're not actually going anywhere. Oh. Uh, we're going to cover um, something different today. Cool. Cool. We crack up? Crackety crack. I remember while I was pregnant, I read a story where a mum was trying to cuddle her little one back to sleep after a midnight wake up. But every single time she looked down at his little face, God love him, he was just staring right back at her. What now felt like hours had passed and she was getting frustrated, as you do, and rhetorically asks out loud, why won't you just fall asleep? To which her little one replies, I'm sorry, mum, I don't know how. The mom guilt, of course, was now bubbling up like acid in the back of her throat. And then she had to ask herself, how does one explain to a child how to fall asleep? Well, she said, it's kind of a funny thing, buddy. You pretend to fall asleep. That's how you fall asleep. He looked at her bewildered, but she continues. You close your eyes, take some nice deep breaths and think about what kind of dream you'd like to have. And then somehow, like magic, you fall asleep. Oh, he says. I'll try that, Mama. So he closes his eyes, snuggles back into her neck, takes some deep breaths and falls asleep while telling her about the trip to the park that he wants to dream about. I draw more from that story now since our twins arrived. I know that feeling all too well, where you melt back into your bed, thinking about your little one and how they will eat up any nonsense you feed them. But then I think to myself, God, we have to be very careful because there's a lot my parents taught me that I now have to unlearn. Now it's mostly silly things like the boogeyman lives next door to granny, so don't go past the gate, you know, harmless stuff. But still, we do have to be careful what we tell our little ones, even if it means we get some peace and quiet. So the mama gets back into bed and in seconds she's asleep. Okay, she's not asleep. She's at that point between awake and asleep where you pretend to be asleep in the hope that you'll fall asleep. But it's different when you're not a little one anymore. See, now she's thinking of all the things she has to get done tomorrow. Bills need to be paid. Laundry needs to be done. I'll never understand women who can wash, dry and fold laundry in the same day. Goddesses. Living, breathing goddesses. But then she tries to think of nicer things to help her drift off like her little one, and how she wonders what he could possibly be afraid of at this age. What was she afraid of at this age? She thinks to herself. And then it hits her. It hits her like she hasn't let herself think about it in years. She used to be afraid of the thing that was under her bed. You know, that thing that your mummy and daddy tell you isn't real and that you need not worry and to go back to bed. You know, the bed with the very real to you, not real thing, not hiding under your bed. Funny enough, because she thought about this right before she nodded off, she ended up dreaming of a memory. She goes back to bed after the above not real conversation with her parents and tries to ignore it, the thing under her bed. And she tries to sleep. But every night she would hear it whisper incoherent words she didn't understand and it would pluck at the metal bars and springs that crisscrossed the base of her bed, that the mattress lay on so she could feel it in her back. 
Then one night, after coming back in from her parents' room again, she started to quietly sing a song to herself, something her mum told her to do to soothe herself back to sleep. And it was almost like the thing under her bed learned a new way to communicate with her. So it began to sing a little rhyme to her. Come little one, come far away. I'll bring you back when night's turn today. The places we'll see, the people we'll meet, the things that we'll eat, both savoury and sweet. Now she was 10 and she loved food, all sorts of food, especially things she wasn't meant to have a lot of. So whatever this thing was, it knew all the right things to say. And one day she answered back. She asked, well, she asked what any other 10 year old would ask. What, what kind of food? And thus began the new nightly routine. They would talk late into the night and sometimes she couldn't tell if she was having a conversation or dreaming of having a conversation. She had no concept of time from memories of being young, but over some amount of time, she would go so far as to say the thing under her bed became a friend. There were times that she would become consumed with curiosity and wonder what the thing looked like. One night, without a second thought, she rolled over to take a peek under the bed, but only ever got as far as the edge and saw long, jet black hair splayed across the floor that originated from under the bed and climbed up the walls. It seemed to consume more of her room as the nights went on. And then she saw its hand, or what looked like it should have been a hand, but it had no skin. She must have let out a little whimper because the thing under her bed reached out its hand, now a normal flesh-covered hand, and rubbed her arm and told her not to be frightened, that someday when they finally got to go on their adventure, she would see that she had nothing to be afraid of. She remembered one night vividly. Her mum and dad were right outside her door, listening to her chatting away to seemingly no one. She could see their silhouettes because she used to beg them to leave her door slightly open and the landing light on. She sat upright in bed and called them. In fright, they nearly scrambled. They were like two teenagers caught having a cigarette at the back of the school. So she called them again saying, I can see you, come in to me. They entered her room and very sheepishly asked, Who are you talking to, love? But she knew they wouldn't believe her because they'd already told her the thing under her bed wasn't real. So she pretended that she was playing with the two dolls sitting on her bedside locker. Thinking back, she was impressed with herself. She couldn't think on her feet like that today if her life depended on it. They nearly looked relieved. She assumed they thought that she was talking to herself although she was not sure why that would have been worse. Essentially, that's what doll play is. So her mum and dad toddled off to bed. She guessed they felt that they had done their due diligence and made sure she was mentally stable, as she continued to talk to her friend that currently resided under her bed. They talked about her, her mum and dad, her older sister, her younger brother, her friends at school, her favourite teacher, every pet she'd ever owned, and how they were all named Trixie, thanks to her sister being obsessed with that name. Her friend got to know more about her than probably most of her friends knew. Then one night, when she was feeling unusually brave during one of their midnight chats, she asked, If I come with you, where would we be going? When would we come back? And what would I say to my parents? To which her friend replied, We'll be visiting my home, and we'll come back by morning, unless you want to come back sooner. 
to her, that sounded like a sleepover, which sounded like fun. But when she asked about her parents again, her friend said it was up to her, but that her parents may not understand or that they might tell her that they can't speak anymore. She didn't want to lose her friend. And if they were back by morning, sure her mum and dad would never even know. She decided not to tell them. What's next? She asked. To which her friend replied, Come down from your bed and crawl underneath to me. She told her friend she was frightened and asked if she could come out first and maybe go together. Her friend said they would be more than happy to if it made them feel safer. Only if they come out from under the bed, they would never be able to return to their world again. She understood why she wouldn't want to be stuck somewhere that wasn't home, neither would she. So she climbed down off her bed, Teddy in hand, you know, for safety, and she peered under the bed. When I tell you she was shocked and absolutely speechless, I tell no lies. For her friend, the thing under her bed, the thing her mum and dad said vehemently wasn't real, looked just like her. Her friend could tell by her face that she was stunned, so they said, See? I told you, I'm not all that scary, so take my hand. Now, whatever you may think entering the world under your bed is like, get it out of your head. It's not like free falling through hell and seeing all manner of terrible and frightening things. You just crawl through, a void, a space, a nothing. They come out the other side and they're now under her friend's bed. It's very much like the upside down from Stranger Things. Everything is the same but backwards. And it's not completely devoid of colour, but it's a little like my wadi. Every colour looks like it's a diluted version of what it should be. They pass by her friend's parents' room. They look like they'd fallen asleep watching TV. So they snuck past them and out the door they went. Now she wasn't allowed to go past the front gate by herself at home. So this was exhilarating. Her friend said that they wanted to bring her to a place they'd been working on for weeks, especially for her. It was an enclosed park and it was beautiful and delicious. Tree trunks were made of chocolate, leaves were made of crisps, that's potato chips for anyone outside Europe. The handrails on the bridge going over the pond were made from strawberry shoelaces and the pond was filled with chocolate milk. The grass was just grass, I mean what else would it be, but scattered around the grass was what she thought were daisies, but they were like little plumes of popcorn. In hindsight, having grown up a Disney kid, the fact that the scene from Pinocchio or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang didn't pop into her head is still amazing to me, but she was excited to feel a small sense of freedom. They must have been there for what felt like a week, and with no adult supervision, she just kept eating, until inevitably she got a tummy ache. Being ten and having a sickly tummy made her feel a little homesick, so she turned to her friend and said, Thank you so much for all of this. I am having a wonderful time. But is there any chance we could go back home now? To which her friend replied, mouthful of strawberry shoelaces, Mmm, of course. Her friend took her by the hand, helped her up, and began to explain the way back home was a little different. She had to go to sleep, and she would wake up safely in her own bed. She thought it was a bit odd, seeing as the way in seemed so easy, why wouldn't they just return the same way she came? But her friend wouldn't answer her, and she just kept ushering her towards a forest. Her friend said as they approached a large tree stump, Lay down here, and when you wake up, you will be right where you should be. So she did what she was told, and she fell asleep. And her friend was right. She woke up safe and sound back in her bed, 
but it wasn't her bed. It was her friend's bed. This didn't make any sense. Why would she be in her friend's bed? And where was her friend? She did the only thing she could think of and climbed under the bed and tried to go back the way she got there, like she had suggested in the first place. But it was not the same. As she crawled under the bed, she pushed through broken toys and old socks, because socks always manage to find a way under your bed. And then she was suddenly wading through what felt like wet mud and branches. But it wasn't mud, and it wasn't branches. It was the decay of all manner of things, and what she thought were branches were human bones. She was so frightened and so confused. This wasn't at all like what she'd experienced coming here, so why was this so different? She passed beings with distorted faces that looked at her like they knew her, and by their feet stood animals that were all discombobulated. Their bodies didn't make sense at all. One animal looked like a dog, but it had the head of an alligator and the tail of a poisonous snake. Everything was talking all at the same time and she couldn't make out any single voice. These things were absolutely terrifying to her. And then she realised these were all the monsters that she used to dream of. Had she dreamt them? Or did they exist all along? Then she started to hear her mum's voice. It was faint, but she knew it for sure. No doubt about it, that was her mum's voice. So she ran toward it. And it was getting louder and clearer now. She was talking to someone in that comforting, soothing voice of hers. She saw a faint glow in the distance. She knew that glow. It was the light that would spill into her bedroom from the hallway, making her feel safe as she slept. And just as she got to the source of the light and felt like she was close enough to touch her mum, she heard it. The person her mum was speaking to so reassuringly. It was her. But it wasn't her. She was here. So who the hell was her mother speaking to? And then it hit her. It was her friend. We obviously use the word friend to differentiate now because she was so not friends with her anymore. She tricked her. How could she? She heard her mum tell that thing in the most reassuring voice. I know you think it is, but the thing you think is under your bed is not real. And just like that, her movements became sluggish, like the ground was swallowing her up. She couldn't get to her mum. She couldn't warn her that that thing she was talking to was an imposter. And then she heard her mum say it again. The thing under your bed is not real. Vines sprang from the ground and wrapped around her wrists, pulling her down. She looked at them and as they wrapped around her arms and torso now, she saw, again, not vines, but human bones connected together, pulling her down, stopping her from getting to her mum. The ground beneath her was slowly swallowing her now. She let out a low, guttural scream as her chest felt like it was about to explode. Her mum's reassuring words were actually killing her. The more she said the words, the more the world she was in rooted her to it, and try as she might, she was unable to break free. Finally, giving in when her screams were silent, and she was all but engulfed by that world, she heard that thing say, Okay, mommy, the thing under my bed isn't real. But it was real. Wanna know how I know? I was the thing under the bed. I don't wanna play anymore. <laughs> it's dark when I'm reading this, sorry. I should have put the light on. Was that okay? 
No. No. Scary. Oh, I thought it was going to be a nice story. She and wants... then, I, then it was a scary story. And then I thought it was going to go back to nice, happy ending. No. And then, and then, and then, here, and here. here we are. Yeah. Do you want to know what's worse about that? What? That was a reoccurring dream I used to have until I was about 13. Every single Who are night. you? I know. I was there. I did one, one, at one stage. And do you know what I think happens with dreams? And this is kind of what got me into the whole paranormal stuff. Because I was just like, it's not just the science behind your brain. There has to be something that triggered that in my head. And I'm not blaming whatever relative or parent told us that the boogeyman lived beside my granny's house. But it was a number of different things. And all these factors that just all blew up all at once. And then became this dream that I kept having there's another reoccurring dream that I have where I live in a really big house but it's not fun when you can't find your way back to the kitchen or back to the sitting room and you keep walking through 12 bedrooms and you're like it's actually a really horrible dream but I never realize I'm having the reoccurring dream until I'm in it trying to get out of it and that's what used to keep happening with that dream I would have the same dream over and over again and I would know how it played out but I had no control and I couldn't I hadn't learned how to I still haven't mastered it but I hadn't learned how to get out of your dreams yeah, or how to wake yourself up. But yeah, that that was my reoccurring dream until I was about 13, 14. I thought when you once said, let's go to the forest for a nap and you're going to wake up in your bed. I thought that was going to be a show up in her own bed. It wouldn't be very paranormal of my story, no. would it? <laughs> no. And then and then other bad stuff happened. I didn't want to go. To, I'm so sorry. Sorry. I didn't want to write too much of the gory stuff that was in the dream so I was just mm-hmm. kind of like yeah let's just go words like when she was like wading through the mud it wasn't mud it was oh Stephen it was the most horrible dream and the worst part about it is I was at that age where I hadn't grown a love for true crime so I wasn't exposed to that kind of stuff I think I, I think <sighs> Because I'm a firm believer that you can't physically dream of something that you haven't already seen. Yeah, your, your brain, brain doesn't, doesn't work do like imagine, that. Do too much of the imagination and what is to see. But when you're a kid, I think your imagination is completely different from when you are an adult. Because I think when you're young and you don't know what a thing is, and you don't realise that a shadow is just a shadow, yeah. and it, your it's your eyes playing tricks on you. It's what you perceive it to be. So if it looks like a ghost, it is a ghost. Mm. Like in the back or behind you there, above the bed, I see. Batman there. Yeah. Like that's if you didn't know Batman was a superhero and you delight to her off, you could get a little shock, you know. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. Because when we're little, we take things so literally. Oh yeah. Look at it this way. So there's times where one of the boys will literally look up into the corner of the room and they'll just burst out laughing. <laughs> yeah. And in my brain, I am okay with the fact that they might see something that I don't see. But it's only as they get older and we tell them there's no such thing as invisible friends. There's no such things as ghosts. Here's some spray with some lavender water in it. And this is your ghost be gone spray, which I I think is a great way to get kids to conquer their own fears. But it's only when we tell them that what they see isn't real, that they change their perception because their perception is completely unpolluted until we adults yeah. get a hold of them and it's like the whole peter pan thing it's mm. like you want to stay a kid and you want them to have that innocence but you also want to tell them listen you haven't slept in three days which means i haven't slept in three days so i'm telling you now the thing that's under your bed is not real mm. apparently i had an invisible friend when i was 
I would well believe that. Yeah. You were a very sociable person. Well, this is what my mammy told me. <laughs> uh, I don't you remember this. And my, mom, my mother will probably remember, and she listens to the podcast too, so shout out to Deirdre. Um, <laughs> uh, she'd probably remember the name of my invisible friend as well. I have heard a couple of parents who were a little bit more than concerned about their invisible friends. No, not their invisible friends. Their kids' invisible friends. Because they didn't know if it was just a friend that their kid made up or were they genuinely seeing something that they as a parent as a closed-minded person which I'm not saying closed-minded people are a bad thing be whoever you want to be but it does take a certain amount of open-mindedness to kind of go I don't think they have an invisible friend I think they're because I mean not a lot of kids would have like an old army veteran <laughs> as an invisible friend mm-hmm. named Roy who wants to avenge his I don't know his wingman's death or something like that that's the kind of stuff that you kind of have to draw the line and go, is it an invisible friend or are they communicating in a way that we just don't understand? Who's your man in John and 60 Seconds again? Nicholas Cage. Nicholas, he'd make a great invisible friend. He would make a great invisible okay, friend. Okay, everybody. And you can't see, you can't see Let's what I'm doing. Finger hands in the... Yeah! <laughs> Joe! And the two little twins running down the corridor with bandanas on their head or something. The only thing I'd ever be worried about about them, like if we brought them somewhere, what? because like, the last place that we went to, uh, they were in the buggy but if we brought them somewhere that had a haunted history the only fear I would have is that they would both cling on to completely different people and run off in opposite directions yeah anything other than that I'm totally okay with as long as no harm comes to them because I will beat some polar guys to ass but as long as no harm comes to them mm. they can learn by themselves what they like and what they don't mm. like and what they think is real and what they don't think is real yeah have you any characters for me? Um, Bearing in mind one of these characters is me. Well, it's got to be Carrie Bates. <laughs> uh, well, no, because you really need a child actor here, and there's not many to come to mind. Yeah, well, to be fair, I acted like a child at 28, but you didn't know me when I was a kid. Keep rolling, but I'll have a Google here. So, while I'm Googling, did you know one of the things my parents told me, you know the way you have it, like you were saying, your kids will believe everything you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love cheese. Yeah. And I was eating cheese. And you know the way if the, the block of cheese is slightly exposed, the outside Goes gets a little, a little hard. bit hard. Yeah. So I was like, well, cheese has got hard, but if it comes to cheese, you know, cheese. So I ate the cheese and I ate the cheese. And then I said, I'll ask the question, hey, parents, what happens if you eat, you know, I said gone off cheese, like the hard bit of cheese. And my dad just turns around looking away from probably Chelsea on the TV, he looks mm-hmm. me dead. And he, no, he didn't even look at me, if I'm honest. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you'll die. And I calmly walked out of the room, I went to my bedroom and whimpered of for several course, hours. yes. And still to this day, you are expecting that to be the way you go. But death by cheese sounds amazing. I mean, you'd have to have a monstrosity amount of cheese or one very big piece of cheese that flattens you. Okay, so you two people, yes. but you did say that when she looked under the bed, she thought she looked a lot like her. Yes. Is she like a mirror of her? Or very close to her? Well, she'd need to be. It's, it's her, it's her dark up, entity. Well, the, basically, the, the, the way that my interpretation of the dream was, is I was always afraid um, that I'd get replaced and that nobody would miss me. Yes. And nobody would notice if I had been replaced. Okay. So she looked like me. She got to know me. She asked all the questions. Mm-hmm. She got to know me better than some of my friends did. And a lot of people would know this. Because your friends are your family you choose, you kind of tend to tell them stuff okay. that you wouldn't tell your family. So she was an identical copy of me. So what I'm thinking is then you don't need two people. You need one person. Okay. To play the part. And I'm sure you'll know this name off the top of your head. 
Priya Ferguson. Okay. The little sister from Stranger Things. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. She has some sauce. She oh, has I don't know if I'm cool enough for her to play the part of me. <laughs> <laughs> she could make me cool. Yeah, she's kick-ass and she's badass as well. So yeah. the, the scene at the end of the movie where she's trying to get to her mom and I say her, I keep forgetting this is me we're talking about, but the scene at the end where she's trying and she's so, and that the, the guttural scream always gets me because I could never understand how that didn't wake me up or yeah. how I felt like I was screaming and nobody else woke me up. Yeah. But I think she could play that part. Yes, I, I agree. I approve this message. I'm so glad you approve. Um, but yeah, I didn't fall down a rabbit hole this week. Uh, no, you wrote I, a story. That's I, amazing. I, I wrote a story about a rabbit hole. I, it, do you know what I think it was? It, does, it was very actually rabbit hole. It was very Alice in Wonderland. Alice yeah, Wonderland. and I thought that's I thought that's where I kind of I I kind of took a lot from, and I think that's what kids do. They only they can only dream about what they know. They yeah. like a four year old kid's not going to dream about Area Fifty One because they won't know about it. They'll only know Anna and Elsa. Or they'll only know Aurora, or they'll only know Jasmine, or they'll only know the cartoons or movies that they've been exposed to. So I think what ended up happening was I just took from all these different places. Plus, right, um, we were in a church, obviously, we've discussed this before, we were in a church when we were a lot younger, and there was a family who'd mo- moved over from the States. Uh, he, I think, was West Coast, wife was Spanish, Fabulous cook. She could tell you she loved you in Spanish and you would be afraid of her. She had that real thick Spanish accent. Oh, She's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the two kids were laughing. Three kids? Two daughters and a son, I think. The, the kids were laughing because, now bear in mind, I was very, very young. We're talking 25 years ago. And one of the kids was like, oh my God, this is so weird, right? Because at home in the States, we have a TV that's like 30 inches. I don't even know if it was 30. I'd say it was probably 25 or whatever was colossal back in the 95s to 2000s mm. and then we were watching something that looked like the tv looked like it belonged in the caravan in craggie island it was yeah. it was that kind of antenna like the rabbit yeah, ears yeah. but we were watching goosebumps and i think that's the very first time i ever watched an episode of it and then i got hooked and then my brain was just full of all this new scary stuff so i literally took alice in wonderland meets Probably the worst episode of anything I've ever watched because it scared the holy bejeebas out of me and I stuck them together. That also could be where my big house dream comes from because that house was huge. I think it was an arco. It must have had 10, 15 rooms. Not bedrooms, but 10, 15 rooms. I wouldn't call that big. I'd call that small dominion. For arco, yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> have you any other questions no, for me? No, that's me. No, um, I, I've, re- I've revealed a whole new yeah, part yeah. of well, me. This is an episode all about it. <laughs> so we wrap up there? Say your words. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It was very close to my heart. But if you do have any questions regarding today's episode or any other episode, feel free to DM us on our Instagram. It's What's the Story Ghost. Any personal stories of your own, our email is what's the story ghost at gmail.com and those are all my words exit jingle exit jingle exit jingle bye